their heart and soul, these two workers that we sent, were completely in that job. And that was they felt so achieved because the, the farmer's working with them and he's just as excited to have two people putting their heart and soul in it just as much as he is. Well, good day. Welcome back to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. We're doing it a few more times this year and Christmas is just around the corner. So I hope all of you are looking after yourselves and absolutely looking forward to some time off over the silly season. This week, I am heading to Devonport in Tasmania. I'm sitting down with Belle Binder. This one, although we caught up in person a couple of months earlier, was recorded sitting on the lands of the Wadarung people. Now, Belle Binder might not be from a farming background, but through her labour recruitment business left field and her interest in psychology, Belle has a strong commitment to getting people jobs on the farms that truly suit them. Now, her story is a fascinating one because it's this crossover of an incredible skill set in marketing, business, people, and then finding a business that she could actually step into and own herself and create something pretty remarkable out of it. In this chat, Belle explains how when finding the right working culture for an individual worker, they can go on to have a really fulfilling job and really just make people's lives better. Part of her mission is to try and shift or elevate the current culture within the businesses that she tries to bring employees into to a level that benefits both the farmers and the workers. She has an incredibly strong understanding of some of the harsh realities, especially the labour-intensive roles in agriculture, and how through creating the right environment to match people with their jobs can have a really beneficial outcome for so many people. Enjoy the chat. What's been keeping you busy besides that? Getting people besides, on farms. Besides getting people on farms, um, does family life count? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably not a bad place to start because last time I saw you, Belle, um, I think, what was it, your, your youngest had just taken a kitchen utensil to your brand new renovated wall? Uh, yeah, so meat tenderizer, <laughs> if you can visualise um, a very strong metal spiky hammer to love and plaster walls. Bang, bang, bang. He was having a great time. I walked through the door and, hi, mum, look. And there's big gouges out of the wall. So it was a long day and it was late and I walked through the door to that. But that's always interesting. Um, Just but, kept walking. Yeah. But a week later, he'd gotten into textures for the second time. Different textures this time he'd uncovered um, and decorated his room for the second time. Um, <laughs> That sounds like washable textures this time, but still a challenge. It was permanent markers last time, which they've all gone out of the house now, but uh, this time it was washable markers, but our all our cupboards have got that laminate cover on them. So yes, you can wash it off, but it leaves a pink stain that you have to really scrub. Oh gosh. What's more stressful, uh, your day job or going back <laughs> in the door? This is the, we actually discuss this quite a bit at work. I usually say I'm going home, but I'd rather stay here, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather address the, the issue of labour hire in agriculture. And that's textures. saying something because, yeah, it's a challenging time in the farming space. So, <laughs> God, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Bill, I'm, I'm interested to start off, obviously, at now, and we'll talk about it a lot. You've got your own business in terms of left field labour hire, but where did the interest in agriculture come from? Well, interesting story that um, two and a half years ago, I knew nothing about farming. In fact, so little that I didn't know what labour hire was. 
I thought it was just hiring of equipment. So that was the level of understanding I had of the industry. We're sort of looking, me and my husband were looking at some businesses that were maybe in distress and we could turn them around because we've got business backgrounds, but nothing in farming. And so we came across this one. It was actually not in distress, but it was run by a retired couple and everything was done quite old school, not just in the terms of the way they ran the business and, and managed the people, but everything was handwritten right down to the roster, which was handwritten in a week to view diary. So that's, that's what we're talking about. And I thought, wow, if these guys aren't in distress and then they're not doing anything electronically, they're not doing any marketing whatsoever, there can I be upside. So I thought, all right, well, let's take it on. And it didn't take me long to kick my husband out of the scenario. He's running his own company anyway. He's the CEO of um, Respect Aged Care with 2,000 staff of his own. So I quickly booted him out of the way because I fell in love with it. And that sort of came about with the name Left Field because it was very left field the direction I went and I soon learned the way things done in the labour hire space didn't really sit well with me and I found myself questioning why is it done that way and I tend to be like that naturally and so I think the fresh eyes coming in and being naive had pros and cons and and I suppose the pro of that is I questioned why do we have to do it like that and this doesn't make sense that the farmer wants this, but labor hires are doing it this way. And there's not a happy outcome for anybody. So we bought everything into the 21st century. Everything's electronic. It's a paperless office. We barely use a printer. That's only when we absolutely have to, and we've got no choice. And I've got a marketing and branding background. So I've had a lot of fun bringing the brand alive. So that's what I wanted to backstep. So two years in the ag industry, I think there's a lot we can kind of unpack mm. in that side of things. So before you were branding marketing, but also a mix of psychology. Did I read that right? Uh, yeah. So I was actually um, in my first year of psychology. I wanted to get into corporate psychology, more specifically um, recruitment in the manager um, and the executive space. So that's sort of where um, I was heading. And then I sort of thought, well, this is kind of like that and I could probably get there faster and maybe you don't really get paid a lot as a psychologist. So I thought there's probably a lot more earning potential as well. And really my heart is in business. I, I love all aspects of business and piecing it all together and seeing the big picture and driving strategy. So let's be honest, I'd probably end up there anyway and just be hiring the psychologist. So I was fast tracking where I wanted to be, but I just, just fell in love with ag. I see so much potential with just some tweaks in some areas to just completely transform the industry. And I'm, I'm so excited and energized by the thought of being a part of that. And I'm finding more people as I go along that are just as passionate about that as I am and share the same vision and are just as energized and enthusiastic and motivated as I am to make the change. And so for you, Belle, when you have this skill set, never even had agriculture ever even been on your radar? No, not at all. Um, I'm not an outside person. <laughs> I get sunstroke easy. I'd be the worst person on the farm if it was outside. Inside wouldn't bother me. Um, the work itself, I'm fine with. That's that's not the issue. I just can't be out in the sun. I've never been able to be out too long. I yeah, I, I flake it physically. I, I will start vomiting the, the whole deal. Sorry, was, was it that you thought your skill set wasn't even applicable to agriculture or like um, did you just see agriculture as being a practical outdoors industry? 
In terms of me being a, an ag worker, I suppose it was never on my radar because physically I just don't cope outside for long periods of time. I can't even go to the beach and enjoy it for hours at a time. That's just not me. Um, in terms of taking on a, a business that specialised in ag, to me it was business and business is business and it doesn't really matter what industry it is. The same principles essentially apply. Yes, you've got to understand the industry, but that can come. And I just, from the point of where the business was at when I bought it, it wasn't crucial that I was, you know, had a, a huge background in farming because so much business principles and procedures needed to be applied that it takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. So while I put all that together and, and fixed it all up behind the scenes and built the strong foundation, I started to build that experience of ag and ask lots of questions and be involved and yes, get out on the farm, just not for hours at a time under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> What's been the biggest highlight to you or eye-opening fact since you came into the industry? Two completely different things. The biggest eye-opener was people's attitudes. When I say people, um, the disrespect on both sides. So the disrespect that workers get and the disrespect that workers give. Um, that was probably the biggest eye-opener and something I'm really driven to change. I honestly just think it's a communication error and a misunderstanding on both sides, um, just not working as one towards an outcome. And that, that's it. It's something that could be fixed. The biggest highlight has actually been recently. There's a particular farm that uh, reached out to us, gee, only three months ago now. Last season, they lost a lot of crops due to not being able to get workers and workers that were there were not showing up. Just, you know, same old story. Uh, this year they came to us. They were still struggling because they were doing direct hires now. They, they'd been through the labour hires and they kept getting the same results, which is unreliability. They wouldn't last or they wouldn't show up or they make excuses or they're a poor worker. You know, we've, we've all heard it or experienced it. So we sent a team in there of people that I suppose they hadn't experienced before and it's bowled them over. We've replaced half their team and added on with people that are so excited to be there, so appreciative of their job. They're locals, most of them. It's cleaned up their current culture. So some have left and the ones that have stayed have completely lifted their game, completely. In terms, we've turned the culture around completely. Production was behind, um, that includes maintenance and whatnot. It was weeks behind, now it's way ahead. And it turned around in, well, in the first three weeks, they caught up and they were six weeks behind. Yeah, wow. So that really excites me. And to see, I could see their desperation when they walked in. I was excited because I knew we could help them. And the good people, they started the business because a pulp mill closed down. This was a long time ago. And they started because people were taking their lives because they didn't have jobs anymore. They respect everything, as we know. And so they started this up to want to employ locals and to help the community. So I think that's a really lovely story. I They work so hard. They work, they're a big old family farm. They've got the parents and the kids all working together in their different sections. And like I said, they're great people. They've just had a bit of bad luck. And it felt really good to walk in and support them beyond labor hire like we're helping them with grants and seeing how else we can bring them forward and and get them going 
yeah, give them a leg up. It's a really good feeling. And talking about legs up, it's a, it's a nice feeling to do that for workers as well. Sometimes people just need to go and it's nice to give people that leg up that just need need that chance and they're willing to put it in and, and take that chance and, and run with it. It's great. Is that something that has been like shaped off your own experiences like in terms of someone who has backed you or given you an opportunity that is kind of helping shape you to want to like give that feeling to someone else? I think so. I've had some pretty ordinary experiences in workplaces. My worst probably when I was 18, I was working in hospitality and I decided at, at 17, this isn't for me. I'm not enjoying being on my feet all day and it, it doesn't seem like a great long-term career prospect. So I thought I'll take myself to TAFE and do an admin course. Six weeks later, I landed a, a traineeship at a law firm. Now, me being um, <laughs> very naive, that's the worst type of job for my personality type because I was <laughs> bouncing around in a law firm thinking about how can we make this job fun? <laughs> um, so that rubbed some people the wrong way, I suppose. <laughs> some people didn't mind. So As the fresh-faced teenager, just yeah. bouncing around. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'd be humming and singing and I'd drive the accounts lady nuts she really had a very strong dislike for me and I was right outside her office and she'd always say stop humming you sound like a blowfly so <laughs> we're talking about a workplace it was very old school I'd say two-thirds of the staff didn't like me and that was tough I was landed with a partner of the firm that was renowned for making his secretaries cry um, I assume I was shoved there to try and shut me up a little bit maybe I was determined for him not not to see me cry he he would belittle me and you know you're my daughter who's in grade five can spell better than you have better English than you that he'd put me down constantly every day and yeah it wore me down I would actually cry at lunchtime and after work and I'm not a great crier it takes a lot to bust my spirit I suppose but he did he wore me down the workplace wore me down and I was there for two years and I ended up on antidepressants and being a psychologist so that's how low we're talking so I've been in some pretty rotten workplaces I've been treated pretty rotten it's not the only one that's probably the worst one and yeah someone did give me a chance I moved to Newcastle to get away from that workplace actually for a couple of years and I came back and a month before I was due to come back there was a job for uh, a position in a radio station it was just admin um, but it was too late for me to apply by the time I got back but I thought that sounds like a pretty fun job so I rang up and I said I know it's expired but you know is there anything there for me I was willing to just put myself out there and I must have impressed them somehow and they've asked me to come in and had an interview and they actually made up a job for me I just thought like this girl's got energy, she's keen and she's got the right personality type, which yes, it's much more suitable to my personality. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they threw me into a mix of admin and promotions, which is more or less marketing and branding, which I had no idea that's where I'd excel because it's just, we're talking about the early 2000s here. It's just not something that was common back then. It wasn't it wasn't a thing it is now it's huge so yeah I was there for five years and and it, it was a really fun workplace and for the first time someone believed in me and gave me that leg up and I remember the manager would describe me as a rough diamond that just needed shining up and <laughs> and I can see that in my workers now yeah you were rough you you've got something we just need to polish you up a little bit and 
and maybe teach you a couple of things that wasn't normal in your upbringing that you don't realize, hey, if you did this, it has a significant impact at the other side of it. So yeah, I've experienced both ends of it and I am very protective of my workers. So if I know that maybe they're not being treated well or they're not being spoken to well, I want to address it. But also the other way around, if I know my workers aren't respecting people around them, including the colleagues and the farmers, it's not on. It's it's not acceptable. There's no reason to be do, doing that. And sometimes things are just going on at home. You just need to listen and say, you know, that really sucks. Um, I feel for you. If you're feeling like that, let's try A rather than B because B is not going to get you a very good outcome for anybody, you or anybody else around you. So let's work on a strategy for next time and just tell me what's going on and because then I can help you a little bit. It's a big coaching role. It is a big coaching role and it doesn't have to be what I choose it to be. Yeah. Because I, like I said, I'm very motivated to make a change in farming and, and farming's got a terrible reputation <laughs> um, a lot of the time. Oh, you get, and it's a misconception. It's not true. It's a misconception of, oh, you get paid terrible and you get treated terrible. And yes, on some farms that's true, but it's true in any industry. There's always going to be businesses out there that don't do the right thing. There's always going to be ones out there that do and just do your research. Like, for example, if someone's staff short certified, you know that they're going to pay right because you've got an external auditor looking through your books. They've got nothing to do with your business. They're, they're going to pick up anything that you're not doing right. So there's little things like that. I think we can educate people before they get into farm work. Hey, if you look out for X, Y, Z, you know you'll be right or talk with people. Yeah. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. So tell me, you well, firstly, let's, let's chat about left field, but labour hire, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's not hiring of equipment. <laughs> uh, we're in the wrong so, business. <laughs> uh, well, farming equipment, I guess it works. <laughs> um, this is how I explain it to people because I find that people that aren't um, involved in the industry don't quite understand. And that was good when I first walked in. I could think of a way to explain it to those that hadn't heard of it before. So I started as there's a paddock full of cauliflowers and there's a farmer that's that's got them to that point and the farmer needs them out of the ground and packed. They've, they've got an order. We've got all the employees. They're all ours. We, we look after them 100%. So the farmer will call us and go, hey, can we have eight uh, people to help us cut cauliflowers tomorrow? We send eight of our people out. They help cut the cauliflowers. They go home. We send the invoice to the farmer. Bob's your uncle. They don't have to worry about anything. They get the job done. They don't have to worry about the people, HR, invoicing, 
taxes, wages, workers' comp, like the whole thing is taken care of. So it's essentially a set and forget this for farm workers. Why is there labour hire businesses? Why don't these people just work directly on the farms? Yeah, so there's a few reasons. Um, firstly, usually crops are seasonal. And so the hiring process is time consuming. There's not usually any marketing done to attract the right candidate. There's not usually selection criteria and processes along the way before you get to the interview stage. Most of the time, there's not even interviews. You just, cool, you've got a heartbeat, you start tomorrow. So that's usually the process, but I've found that it doesn't really get you the workers that you want. There's the risk attached to it as well. So if someone hurts themselves, you're responsible for the workers' comp, the return to work programs, dealing with all, all of the insurance company and all the consultants that go along with the return to work. So that's all gone as well as the risk. So a lot of it's time. A lot of it is getting the right workers in the first place. Um, and then the, the other thing is give the workers to the farmer, but then we can go and put them on another farm when that's, that's finished. If I was a farmer, I'll be honest, I'll, I'd much rather use labour hire. It's I can concentrate on the farm, handle all the things around the, the wages and the tax and the super, and I don't have to deal with the workers' comp. Obviously, we're working towards a safe culture, but things do happen. We try and minimise the risk as much as we can. We work with the farms, but sometimes things happen, and they're really time-consuming. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, and there's a lot of meetings associated with that. So for just from a time and quality perspective, it's it's worth it. It's not actually that much more on the wage because once you t take into account super and all the costs involved, the margin that we make is actually quite small <laughs> Yeah. when you take everything into account. Hmm. And so for you, whereabouts is left field like working out of at the moment? So our head office is in Devonport in Tasmania. So we work along all of the Northwest coast currently, obviously looking to expand in the future, but right now we're, we're focused on building that solid foundation, making sure everything runs squeaky, squeaky smooth. Um, and that we've got our systems and processes right down to almost perfection because perfection doesn't exist. So then we can roll it out in other areas because the last thing we want to do is replicate something that's not going to be close to perfect yeah and people are a little big at, big part of that you got to get the right people involved and people that really truly care about workers in the farm because i got a question on that for your team like in terms of being a small business and going from this paper-based system which was working but not as well mm -hmm. as what it could be it's quite a big change to bring everything digital but then also for you to bring more people in so how have you gone with either that transition of people who were already in the business to stay? In terms of head office staff, the, the owner was just working for himself and his wife part-time and his daughter was doing accounts one day a week or something like that. So in terms of head office, I brought somebody in to help uh, the, the same day I started, she started. She, she's now gone to start a family. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. It's been difficult to source people for the head office role. It takes a very special person that's, that's quite passionate about not only, it doesn't have to be farming, but it needs to be people and truly passionate. So I'm talking, I'm, I'm not expecting people to work 24-7, but you may be thinking about it. It's in your mind of just you have epiphanies in the shower, you know, oh, wait, that could really work and that would really benefit the farm or really benefit the, the worker. 
that's the sort of people I'd like. I'm not asking them to sit down and start working after they get out of the shower, but note it somewhere and let's chat about it the next day. The, yeah, passionate people. I've found that team now, which is great. It's been a bit of a journey over the last two years. I've learnt a lot. I've learnt that sometimes it's better to wait than just take what's the best thing at the time. And did you learn that the hard way? I did indeed. And <laughs> and same with workers. So the workers that came with the business weren't really aligning with my vision. So it was a bit of a process to clean that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took over an, another labour hire uh, this year and that was quite similar. Maybe two-thirds of their workforce weren't really aligning with my vision. So again, it's been, it, and these things don't happen overnight. It's been a little bit of a clean-up process, but We've cleaned it up nicely now and heading in the right direction. Hmm. Just what's the process that you go through at a high level of hiring someone to get them on farm? It's very different. I've ruffled some feathers. I continue to ruffle feathers. Um, Initially, from all the advertising platforms and yeah, various reaches that we have, everybody is essentially directed to the website. The website will go through a questionnaire. Every single question on that is there for a reason. There's no... (laughs) there's no question that doesn't give me a hidden answer to what I'm looking for right down to an ice cream question sometimes people get upset with my ice cream question what's your ice cream question what's your favorite flavored ice cream and what do you do if it's not there I I won't get into why I ask that question but there's two reasons and there's a lot of psychology behind it and can we do it can we do it? All right. What's your favorite ice cream? Oh, I reckon Hokey Pokey. Oh, that's pretty good. Salt caramel <laughs> for me. All right. What do you do when Hokey Pokey ice cream isn't there? Well, I guess I just look for another one of my preferred ones. <laughs> <laughs> so you go down the line from you. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go to like a cookies and cream or something. And if I end up with a sorbet of some sort, I guess it's not the end of the world. <laughs> pretty right. impartial oh. to my ice cream. I'll share the bit of psychology behind it. So first of all, if somebody gets crappy about the question, well, that's a stupid question. What's that got to do with farming? And yes, I get it. I sure do. That tells me that they're probably not going to be a person gets on with team members that well. They've probably got a short fuse. They're probably not very easy going. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of that, if they go, no, I just want hokey pokey. And if it's not there, I'll just go without it tends to suggest that perhaps that person isn't flexible, Mm -hmm. um, that they've just a personality where I want what I want and that's it. I'm not going to budge. That can't be a standalone question. That doesn't work on its own. All that's doing is indicating in amongst the rest of the questions, it paints a picture of a person's personality and how they might fit in a farming environment. Mm -hmm. One person could fit great. Another person wouldn't fit great, but they might fit great somewhere else. So sometimes I use that to go, I don't think you're going to be quite right for this role. However, this role I think is going to work. And so I might uh, interview them and suggest that maybe this could be a really great direction for them. Are you in the same kind of questions for businesses as well? When you say businesses. So in terms of the businesses that you're matching the workers to, to actually understand, well, this is kind of their culture and how they operate. 100%. Yes. So all the questions and things, what ice cream are you but, serving? <laughs> <laughs> There's quite a few questions that I ask, and again, that shows people's effort and how much they want a job. 
So mm-hmm. that in itself eliminates a lot of people and a lot of tire kickers. So the questions really paint a picture of what this person might be like much more than the interviewing because people can lie. And yes, people can lie on the questions as well, but because I'm asking lots of different questions, I can sort of catch them out a little bit most of the time. Nothing's 100%, but most of the time I can go, mm, hang on a minute, something's not quite right here. It's not lining up. So yeah, I, I get an idea of what they're like and then think, right, I think this person is perfect at this farm. Um, that will line perfectly. So I'm definitely interviewing not just for the job, but for the farm. And we're on site a lot. So we understand the farm dynamics, the personalities that are involved, what will work, what won't, and so on. So yeah, we're, we're very we're very careful and we consider where people go a lot, not just the person themselves. And if we're fitting with the left field culture, but where they might fit into a farm and direct them in the right way. And so is it working so far? Yeah, it is. The only the only hiccups I've had, like I've said, is where I've had to clean up where I've done the takeovers and it does set me back. I'll probably approach things differently in the future because it does hurt us a little bit and there is a little bit of reputational damage because it's not the workers that we like to send out. So um, there's probably going to be some changes in regards to takeovers in the future, but yeah, it, it's absolutely working and it's been difficult because people have been desperate for workers and we could have just thrown darts at a dartboard. And that's the, that's the usual way things are done in farming, I find. Let's just throw some darts, some dartboard, and some will, some will stay and some won't. Some yeah. will work out, some won't. I think we can do better than that in farming. We can absolutely do better than that. And let's, let's change the industry and let's change what farming is about because, as we know, one person can completely make the whole culture of the farm crumble and... Let's not do that. <laughs> well, when we, I guess it's, it's the, it's the challenge of looking at farming and agriculture in um, one lens. But if we focus in on your area, which is specifically around labor intensive industries, um, fruit and veggies, what, what are some of the things, those misconceptions that you think we actually need to change and talk about from the farming perspective to the broader community? First of all, I think, we need to actually change the farming culture itself. Yet there's some farms doing great things out there. There's also a great deal of farms that aren't. Farm culture isn't something that's commonly talked about and it's not always obvious or visual, but it's there and it's intentional or not. There's a farming culture on every farm and it's just the way things get done around here. That's essentially what it is. So traditions, habits, assumptions and behaviour that's accepted at the farm. And I'm not sure that farms realise how strongly it influences productivity, retention of employees and the profitability of their farm. It's significant. It really is. And I think we need to talk about it more because I think there's an assumption that an aggressive push or pressure put on workers results in you know, better performance and they'll work faster, but it actually doesn't. It, it just leads to disengagement and lower productivity. You get high employee turnover, people taking days off left, right and centre. And I'm sure this sounds very familiar to a lot of people because it's very common. And there's lots of research to back that up as well. So I'm not just making it up. It, it, there's lots of research on it. And I, I don't know, one of the things that I hear is, well, we'll just, we'll just pay them more. Well, it doesn't work if there's a bad culture on the farm. Yeah, It just doesn't. And not only that, if there's a bad culture, it's also um, affecting the people that 
may or may not be attracted to the farm. I only found out yesterday there's actually a secret Facebook group online, um, blacklisting farms. So In terms of for, for workers? Yep. Yep. I only found out yesterday. So it's among backpackers at this point. I'm not sure too many locals are involved, but backpackers have created this page, a secret Facebook page, where they actually blacklist farms. So people will talk, they'll talk about their experiences and then there'll be a list and people won't go and apply on those farms. And that's a scary thought. It, it's a very online world. You've got to be careful. You can't, we can't keep going how it has been. And like I said, it's not every farm, but there's, there's a lot of farms that could really do with a good culture cleanup. But the thing is it, it takes a commitment and I'm not sure that some farms can see the benefit of it, but <laughs> they don't know what they don't know because it sets the tone for the entire farm. And, and I think there's also a misconception that improving culture means you have to go around and be nice to everybody and smile all the time and give them what they want. Otherwise they'll say, oh, but it, it's just not like that. It's all around challenging people to be the best because you believe in them. Yeah. collaborating, working together towards the outcome because people want to feel a part of something. They do. Um, mm. Like, how, Even if a farmer work, thinks about how many of, of the farmer's workers actually wake up and are keen to go to work that day? How many of them are keen? You do a quick calculation in your head. If they're not keen, there's some improvements to do because they should be excited about an outcome. So I'll go back to that client that I was talking about before where we turned the culture around. So we went out to a site. It was it was so far behind in production. There were tunnels, they were growing lettuce. There were tunnels, they were overgrown everywhere. And uh, the two guys that we sent out, there was only two, turned it around in, in three weeks as well, just the grounds themselves. The, the weeds were gone. It was remapped. All the drip feeds were in. The plastics all fixed up. Like, it's completely transformed. The before and after photos are incredible. The, their heart and soul, these two workers that we sent, were completely in that job. And that was, they felt so achieved because the, the farmer's working with them and is just as excited to have two people putting their heart and soul in it just as much as he is, you know? Yeah. And, of course, that's what we want. That's exciting. It gives me goosebumps. I've got goosebumps because how cool is that? Well, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want workers that are just as excited as you jump out of bed and go, right, let's fix this. Like, we've got a plan. Let's go do it. This is amazing. And so how do, like, how do the businesses, when they've got workers kind of coming and going, how do they create that kind of longevity of that culture to last with the chopping and changing of people? Hmm. Well, first of all, I think you've got to role model it from the top. If you're not, if it's not coming from the top, it's not going anywhere. And I think you've just got to chop out. You've got to, you've got to do the chop of people. If they're not aligning with where you're going, you've got to do the chop. And it doesn't matter if they've been there 20 years. If they're dragging the culture down, they've got to go. And I know that sounds harsh and it is hard. It's really hard, especially when you've got a personal relationship with someone. I've had to face this stuff myself and i think well then the other thing on top of that too is that there is this shortage of workers so it's like well it is is the what, devil you know yeah like because at least yeah the things are getting done they may not yeah it's, it's this huge trade-off isn't it 
I've had a couple of examples where one of them was an inherited worker, one of them, and this two completely different farms, same scenario. So one was an inherited worker um, that wasn't great for culture. Another was one the farm had and we were sending workers there. Both of these people in both these scenarios um, were, were really not good for culture at all, but they were the best workers. They were their best workers and they turned up and they were reliable. However, the rest of the team that, that were sent with them, they started to become unreliable because of how they were being treated by this one worker. Com completely different farms, but exactly the same scenario. They had to go. Mm. It was really hard for the farmer to hear that and to accept that. I, I showed them the evidence. I showed them some examples. And I said, I understand that this is really hard to let this person go. However, you're going to get a whole dedicated crew as a result. And in both cases, it worked out great. Is there one specific skill that you see that uh, like the farms that you're dealing with would really benefit from, like, as in the farm managers, owners would really benefit from having that would then help build their whole workplace? Honestly, you've got to do the weeding. It's just like, it's just like the farms. You've got to take the weeds out. Otherwise they grow and they take over. It's no different. Farming, <laughs> farming and farm culture uh, are exactly the same. They both have needs. Plants have needs. People have needs. You, you, you let the weeds grow over. It starts to take over and it's going to, it's going to wreck all the crops. It's exactly mm. the same with the people. So look, it, it's hard. It's hard to let people go. It's hard to do a cleanup of people, but it's necessary. Yeah. It's not an easy conversation. It's not an easy decision, especially this is a new space for farming of, because the default is to just accept anyone and, and let's just get the job done best we can. Yes, there's a shortage of workers, but is there a shortage of workers for that farm? If the culture was amazing, would there be a shortage of workers? I've got no problems filling my farms that have a great culture. Yeah. The ones that were working towards the culture and the struggling to make the tough choices, they're the ones I struggle to fill and they're our high turnover. Yeah, okay. Proof so in the pudding. There's a lot, a lot of evidence, not just from my point of view, but a lot of studies, a lot of research based on culture and the outcomes. It's, it affects your financial performance, productivity, employee engagement, retention. People come back. So you talk about seasonal and turnover. Yes, that's normal. But well, especially in our case, we can go and send them to another farm, but they want to go back to where they were before. There's no retraining. There's some light training maybe if there were changes, but they know the farm, they know the job, and they whoop, straight back in again. And we've done that. Oh, I've got a client that that happens every year, every season, and they get the same people back. So I've got it. Well, because your business is, well, I'll say it seems complicated in a sense, but you've got your <laughs> own head office team, but then you've also got all these other people that you're sending out onto farm. So what's the vision for left field and how do you get, do you get everyone on board of that vision or is it actually only the head office people that need to be part of that? Uh, no, I think it has to trickle down. So, 
first of all, I hire right. Yeah. I align those values from the get-go. So I know it's in there already and I can send them out to a farm and they embody those values and it carries on. Regular check-ins, we're always on site, checking in. Um, if we see some things starting to just drop a little bit, we're straight onto it. Yep. We're addressing it. We're checking in. Is everything okay? Just You've got to just watch for patterns, reminders. Sometimes it's just little reminders. It, I don't mean this to sound condescending, but it isn't too different to being a parent really you're setting these boundaries here are the boundaries let's have some fun please don't overstep the boundaries these are the expectations hey you're stepping out of that that area of our expectations bring it back in because that's not working for us and it's mm. not going to work for you if you keep continuing so i think it's just a little bit of tough love but it is it is a kind of love and respect though and yeah. i'm doing it i'm doing it for them and um, and to help their future. Uh, so I'm almost like a mum, I guess, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> then sending them off. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, well, I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you, ask everyone that comes on. In terms of, for someone who has only recently discovered agriculture and it's been a completely different world, but yeah. you get the chance to go and talk to your 10 students and let them know about opportunities and why agriculture is an industry that they should look at. What would you say to them? Uh, first of all, I'd say, well, if you love being outdoors, because that's essential. <laughs> if you don't, maybe don't think about a field job, but it doesn't rule out farming altogether. I mean, I'm in farming and I'm not an outdoors person, but I'm involved and I'm, I'm dedicated to it. So I think it, there's got to be some sort of passion there, uh, passion of people, passion of produce or plants, or it might be the soil, so it's the sciences. So I think it's aligning interest with passion and directing it i think i'd almost be a position for almost every person in farming is just directing it in the right area and i think cleaning up the perception that oh you've, you've just got to go and cut some collies out of the ground that's not actually quite right you don't have to that's not the only direction it is a direction and some people love it and live and breathe it and that's wonderful and send those people there but let's not blanket it. And yeah, uh, I, I love chatting to kids about that. And, and there's some great money to be in, in agriculture as well. I'd, I'd much rather be in some sort of a farming job than say, well, fast food outlet. Oh, we won't use names. <laughs> that seems way more exciting to me and you get paid more anyway. So why not? <laughs> it's got a bit of purpose tied to it. And yeah. what's, what's something that you're wondering, you're curious about that I could ask a future guest? I'd like to know from their point of view what would it take to turn the farming culture around and the perception of farming from their point of view what would it take I'm happy to take the steps on one person and I feel like we collect people along the way you're obviously very passionate about it and have a vision for the future of farming so I feel like I'm just collecting like-minded people along the way and we're moving towards a change but I'd be interested to hear what are other people's thoughts on that? I've got my thoughts. I've heard your thoughts on it. What are their thoughts on changing the culture, which I think is the foundation of making that change of the perception of farming and just the general community? I've got quite a similar question which someone's asked before, which is, which is that it's, if you could change a perspective in agriculture to the general population, what would it be? And I think, well, I think your question comes in really nicely with that of, now we've got another data point, basically, of 
that mm. question is another curiosity. So maybe I need to embed it in as rather than a once-off, actually bring it into the four. Mm. I think that'd be a great idea. Thanks for chatting. I hope hopefully you've enjoyed coming on for a bit of a yarn, and um, I've I enjoyed meeting you like you guys down in Devonport. I'll say a few weeks ago, but it feels like it was nearly a month ago now. <laughs> <That'd be> right. <laughs> bloody hell um and i'm excited to see where you guys go and and what the latest is so thank you thanks ollie thanks for having me on and yeah i'd love to get out and about and start having talks with you know groups of people about farm culture and and what we can do and and start to maybe offer some information on where do you start because it feels overwhelming and it feels like a lot and it feels like a big step in an unknown area so yeah i'd if, if anyone would like any any help with that, I'd be more than happy um, to, to offer my time to help out. No worries at all. Well, the offer's definitely there. So if you want to chat about farm culture and everything related to people, you can get in touch with Belle. There's a link to her website in our show notes or um, head to leftfield.com.au. Well, that's us done for another week. Next week, we're sitting down with Danielle Cucinotta from the Victorian Farmers Federation. Now, Danielle is an egg farmer from Werribee, just outside of Melbourne. You can literally see the CBD from her farm, which is pretty remarkable. And amongst a whole bunch of things we're talking about, we're talking about a Make Our Farms Safer program as well. And so this December, you might have heard our podcast sponsor is the Making Our Farms Safer program and it's something which we're incredibly passionate about because ultimately we need happy and healthy people we need to look after the people we've got within our sector but also just some of those people that come and visit our farms as well look after yourselves we can't wait to see you again next week and in the meantime if you've got any questions or want to provide any feedback get in touch with us over at humansofagriculture.com